oh, I've started to learn and enjoy more just the journey and the ups and downs and the challenges that come with that rather than thinking there's a World Cup, I want to win it. I want to be the number one bowler for New Zealand. I want to be the fastest bowler. Those are all great and they hopefully look after themselves at some point. But if you can enjoy the journey a bit more and then each day becomes just as exciting as winning those big sort of um, feats. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to this episode of What's Right Within. We're really excited to be kicking off 2021 with uh, a superstar in the world of cricket, our first cricketer on the podcast. Exciting. How exciting. And I'm really pleased that we're not actually facing him bowl because he bowls very fast. <laughs> um, but we're looking forward to getting to know Lockie Ferguson. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Cheers for having me on. Oh, pleasure. And um, Lockie, there's a lot that we're interested to talk to you about. Um, you've had an amazing last couple of years playing cricket for the Black Caps and also over in the IPL, the Indian Premier League. Um, and we had a Cricket World Cup in there. So we're looking forward to hearing um, a bit about your journey over the last few years. But before we get to that, what's going mm -hmm. on for you at the moment? It's summer in New Zealand. What's happening? Yeah, I uh, just got back in. I uh, was on the boat uh, all day uh, with my big brother. Uh, I have a stress fracture at the moment. Uh, I've got a scan tomorrow. So um, experiencing those things in the summer that you don't normally get to have when you're a cricketer. So um, yeah, I was out on the boat today, which was great. Um, it was a beautiful day. Nice. And we will talk to you about the stress fracture actually, um, because we we're well aware that many of our listeners are athletes and everyone in sport experiences setbacks and injuries at some point what's that been like and you know how have you been navigating that time because um the time you did get injured you were you were flying as well right like you you've been performing really well how's that adjustment been for you yeah, I sort of had that conversation with a few different people, but it's always quite hilarious that when you're playing poorly, you almost never get injured. And then when you're playing well, that's when the injuries come. So, um, yeah, pretty frustrating. Um, obviously, with the job that I do, it takes a lot of, puts a lot of stress on the body. And so, therefore, do a lot of work uh, in the offseason to try to prevent that. And thought I had a good build up with the winter. I had been bowling for quite a while, building up to the IPL and then had two and a half months there uh, and then yeah to sort of come back um, we're still sort of working through potentially how it came about because nothing really changed too much except for I had a week downtime um, from traveling from Abu Dhabi but we had to do quarantine in New Zealand so we couldn't train during like sort of a week so potentially it might have something to do with that sort of down week there and then obviously increasing the loads um after that so yeah pretty frustrating um particularly when i know a lot of athletes uh in the same boat where you push your body to the limits and i guess sooner or later you're going to find those limits um so yeah gutted um but also it's part of the job and um certainly last summer i got injured at about the sort of the same time obviously a test debut and then 
uh, once again, I find myself injured during the summer, home summer. So not ideal, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, there's not much we can do now. Just get the scan tomorrow, see what the results are and try work from there. Yeah, well, we'll be wishing you all the best for that. Lucky, Cheers. I want to um, kind of take a step back and and ask, did you did you always want to be a, a cricketer for New Zealand? Did you want to always want to play for your country or how is it different to, to what you imagined growing up? Um, short answer is no. I uh, love sport and wanted to be a sportsman of some sort, but cricket was probably uh, second or third on the list. But I gave golf a crack when I was younger and, and I found it quite challenging because uh, very lonely sport, obviously being individual. And then when I had a bad day, I would always have a bad day. Uh, and then when you had a good day, you almost had no one to celebrate with. So um, cricket started to sort of pick up at high school. Uh, and then I, uh, I far more enjoyed sort of playing in a team. And even if I had a bad day, we still potentially could win, or at least we could celebrate someone else having some success. So for me, I think that was really early, early learning on like my mental um, sort of position that I needed sort of a team to be around me so that, you know, it wasn't always negative. Whereas golf, you know, you just have one bad hole and that would sort of ruin your week. <laughs> Tell us about what a bad day looks like for you. A bad day? Yeah. For me now? Yeah. Um, had a pretty bad day at the IPL um, where I was the job I bowl, obviously, at the death, um, get trusted a lot to sort of close out games and um, put work in. And, and that particular day, uh, there was, we were playing at Dubai, um, Judasia, very good batter was in, who normally I have a decent record against, got clouded in that day with a wrong plan um, and then also executed pretty poorly. There was a lot of dew around, so the ball sort of turns into soap. Um, and I was trying to hit Yorker, which is the most challenging ball to hit if you can't grip the ball. So um, certainly a big learning, but yeah, um, sort of went from here to zero pretty quickly at the IPL after winning a game for the team. And then um, maybe four games later, pretty much losing it. Um, and I think I went for 22, of which there was a waist height, no ball in it as well. So um, pretty stressful, pretty gutting, but that's part of the game. No doubt. And with that, Lockie, that's um, an interesting example too because how do you go about adjusting when things don't go right? You know, you can come up with a plan and maybe it's the execution or maybe it's the plan itself or both, but when things just aren't going your way, like what's that like emotionally for you and then how do you adjust to be able to come back? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think people talk about experience and um, I guess when you're a young cricketer, people are like, oh, you're inexperienced. And that never really meant anything to me because I've been playing cricket for so long. But I think the experience that I've learned over that period of time is when things, as you're saying, don't go your way. And as all athletes, anyone playing any sort of sport, and I'm sure people who work in an office, things just don't go well that particular day and you can't work out why, the experience to sort of, I guess, take more time reassess the plan and then move forward with potentially a change plan or work out what execution you need to get going forward. Um, and the experience to have a calm mind and mental state at that period of time, rather than like we talk about fight or flight. Um, when I was starting out young bowler, get hit for a four or six panic, 
just try to bowl the next three or four balls as quickly as I could so that I could get out of the over and sort of get the spotlight off me. Um, whereas, you know, building up experience over time, you guess, I guess you learn that that happens. And then what's the next steps? What's my next move? Uh, and how can I sort of get myself back in the game? So, yeah. 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 And that's, it's interesting too. You mentioned fight or flight um, for those, I'm sure many are familiar with that term. It's like our natural stress response is to either, yeah. you know, defend ourselves with the, the fight side, you know, the aggressive side or to flee or get away with the, the flight side. Um, but when you're out there in the arena, you know, like there's nowhere to go. Right. And uh, I think that's where the mental skills are so um, important in sports, you know, to, to learn how to shift your own state so that it is helpful for you rather than getting in the way of you being able to do your job. And what, what skills have you learned to practically um, be able to control that response for yourself when, when it's the spotlights on you, you've got millions of people watching and you're aware that, you know, the game's on the line, like how do you actually take control of, of what's going on within yourself in those moments? Um, I think when you start out playing and you play in front of big crowds and you know you're on TV, you think about that a lot more. When I was starting out, I was always thinking like, everyone in the crowd must be watching me and everything I'm doing. So any little mistake, they must be laughing at me. And you have these weird thoughts even when you're standing on the boundary, they're yelling out things to you. But the more you play, you realize no one's actually watching you at all. They're watching, obviously, the game, the game being played. But even when things do go wrong, it's never as bad as it seems in your head. Also, when things go right, it's never as great as it seems in your head. So I think trying to get an understanding of um, how you think in those moments, and I guess I come back to that experience part or whatever you want to call it, that you've sort of been there in that position before. Okay, well, this has happened last time. This is what I did to get out of it, or this is what I did last time that failed. Maybe I'll try a different approach. Um, and I think, yeah, that sort of calmness um, of a mental attitude when you're in the middle and when your heart's racing and you need to execute a particular skill, um, yeah, it certainly goes a long way. And, and early in my career, I was, you know, I was all over the show. I just tried to run and bowl as fast as I could. And that was my sort of fight, fight or flight, but I was trying to fight by just trying to bowl so fast that the batter couldn't hit it. And that always failed. So yeah, yeah, certainly that experience, it takes a bit of time to learn. And the interesting um, thought is like, how do we fast track that process, right? Yeah. And I think, and we talk a lot about um, controlling the controllables and, you know, where you put your attention um, being influential in that, you know, are you focusing on the threat or the, you know, what could go wrong or are you focusing on the things that you can control, which I know in sport is often the routine or the process that you go through that, you know, gives you your best chance. Um, help us understand a little bit about what that looks like for you. You know, do you have kind of, routines or things that you do with your with your attention to make sure that it's in the right place yeah I mean for me I, I work with a mental skills coach um Aaron Walsh who's been very helpful about it's not always trying to be a positive mindset but being in a negative mindset is so detrimental so I guess um how to put it in words is like it, it become when things are going wrong it becomes business for me rather than trying to focus on the emotional part of it, just try to work out, okay, well, like, what's the likelihood of what's happening here? How can I 
attack this problem from a more of a rational sense than an emotional sense. Galloway, you've talked a lot about that too, where you get kind of almost a robotic approach sometimes in races when the emotion's high, you just go to the... Yeah, I think it's more about trying to take as much emotion out of it as possible so that um, when you do start, if you do make a mistake, then your logical brain can take over and, and go, sure. okay, well, that's, I've, got an, I've got another opportunity here. What's my next step? Rather than, oh, my gosh, what's everyone thinking of me? You know, yeah. and, and almost kind of telling the end of the story before you get to the end, before you get to the finish line. And, um, you know, you start getting yourself down a rabbit hole when you go that way okay. and it almost never ends well. But yeah, taking your taking the emotion out and, and maintaining almost being a bit um, robotic about it has has been super helpful for me as well. But also that kind of sucks a bit of the fun out. I'm sure kids are probably listening, thinking like it must be so amazing when things are going well and you do want to ride the emotions. Um, but I think the more athletes who are consistent over a long period of time tend to be those guys who they sort of play it as their job a little bit. Of course, they love playing and want to win but as you're sort of saying it's yeah this is just what I need to do right now and whatever emotions come I'll just sort of park that um, because they're not rational thoughts and I think it's amazing the human brain and what I've learned over sort of my short career but like how incredible my imagination is of like things going wrong <laughs> they never ever happen and then your mind thinks like oh if I bowl a wide here I'll never play in the IPL ever again and like these are the stupid thoughts you have like after a game and really you've just bowled one bad over out of the whole yeah. tournament and you're thinking like everyone must be thinking how useless is he what a choker um he'll never come back like end of his career and you but you do think those, and i think i think it's good to talk about as well yeah, yeah. it really is i'm sure this is helpful for a lot of people because it's i mean it's super vulnerable to talk about it you know in most feelings yeah. but my, everyone's thinking it um yeah. yeah exactly i think that's what's great about what you said Lockie, is that you know when we see someone like you come in and bowl over 150k an hour like it, it's we're not necessarily thinking, oh, I, you know, he's he's worried about bowling wide or, you know, um, yeah. but I think the reality is that, you know, no matter what we do, everyone's human and um, the inner critic, we all have an inner critic. And I think that voice in our head that's kind of like picturing what could go wrong and worst case scenarios, we've all got our own version of that and it, and it tells different stories to different people. But um, what's so important, I think, for people is, it's the relationship we have with those thoughts, whether we kind of just laugh at them and kind of focus on what matters or whether we get hooked by them and kind of go down the rabbit hole that they want to take us down is often the difference between whether we're able to get the best out of ourselves or not. Um, Definitely. And I think on that, it's like, is this thought helpful? You know, I think that's kind of a, a question we can come back to when we do have those, you know, the inner critics telling us things like is this thought helpful right now and if it's not well, you don't need to go with it right whereas if it is some maybe it is a helpful thought maybe it's saying oh hold on i don't think this plan's right maybe we should change something so it's like such a good filter as you said before it's not about positive negative always it's some often more about is this helpful yeah that's exactly right i think the benefits potentially of a team sport is you often have those guys around you obviously cricket's like a game of single events so 
if you have good teammates, which you know normally you hopefully do, they often recognize potentially, but if you're their senior players, recognize the young guy struggling in that moment, make him just park up, it's not a big deal. If everyone gets hit for four and sixes, like what are you doing next? And it's actually quite interesting. I've been talking to the Auckland Aces. We've got a few injuries floating around. So our teams, our bowling attacks are very young. And some of the thought process, and they were they were sort of starting to just become a bit more vulnerable at what they're thinking when they were getting hit. And they were just thinking the exact same things like, oh my God, this is the end of my career, this one over kind of thing. And and so it's it obviously happens, you know, um, through all ages and, and you know, across all sports, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. And um, you touched on something great before that I want to pick up on, and that's about um, teamwork and the value of, you know, being in a team as opposed to, you know, just pursuing your potential alone in an individual pursuit. Um, and even if it is an individual pursuit, like running with LOEs, you know, I know that you do it in a very team-focused kind of way. So um, you've been part of a really special team, right? Like the New Zealand cricket team for a bit of context has just become number one in the world in tests, which I believe is what the first time ever um, yeah. for New yeah. Zealand to be number one. Uh, you in 2019 have were in the final. I'm not going to say you lost the final of the Cricket World Cup because you actually tied. Um, <laughs> you didn't get the trophy, but you were in the final and and all but won that game, which we'll talk about. Um, but before we get to those those examples, what is a good team to you, and what's the role of teamwork in in making um, sport great? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's I, I could probably talk for hours about that. Um, but the Black Caps, just generally, kind of speaking, we do focus a lot on our culture and um, led obviously by Kane, someone who is a man of few words, but when he speaks, you listen. Um, but his actions, um, which I respect immensely, is that anything he says that we should do, he's doing twice as much as it, and he leads from the front, whether it be hitting balls, training. He's obviously a freak as well, so that surely makes it easier for him, <laughs> unlike us mere mortals trying to play cricket against him. But um, but uh, we put a lot of effort into the culture, and I think um, there has been times over my career where there's been sort of poisonous people in a team. Um, they're upset, they're bitter, they think that the world's against them. Um, I sort of call them like the play the victim card, like, oh, poor me, poor me. And those people can often be, you know, as I said, quite poisonous in a, in a group. But um, it's important to recognize sometimes those people early on and you can actually help them and make them re realize sort of their attitude to the team actually has a huge effect as well. So um, we're very fortunate the group, there aren't any people like that. And so um, certainly the Black Caps is a very positive uh, energy. But I think a key to our group is that we are a humble group. We play to win and um, we love being, I guess, the underdogs, but probably less so now. But um, we we play to win, but also we're gracious in defeat and also gracious in um, winning as well. So it's led by the coaches, the captains, the senior players, and it's been embedded probably since bad, I would have thought, um, Bryn McCullum. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, that's a pretty key part of, of keeping a team level and not riding the highs or not riding the lows either. And that's, I guess, how you create a consistent team that performs against the world. Yeah, awesome. And I think what was so striking, um, for those who don't follow cricket, that World Cup final we talked about, obviously um, tied with England, right? Yeah. Um, at, at 
their home game over in, in England. And it was one of those sporting performances where you genuinely could not split. Like the result, it kind of the fair result probably was a, a tie because it was an amazing game of sport. But what was so striking is the way that yourself and your whole team carried yourselves after that, you know, and accepting basically you didn't win the World Cup on a technicality, like a count back of who hit the most boundaries, which I don't think is a rule that's ever been used in an international I've, game before. <laughs> <laughs> changed it. So they now have made the rule that they just keep playing super overs until someone yeah. genuinely wins. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, that's such a striking example, right? You literally, it's it's the pinnacle, right? It's the World Cup final and you've, you're literally about to win it, essentially. And kind of gets taken from you what what was so impressive was the response and how gracious you all were in that and and I think that's really shines a light on the character of the whole team and the culture that you're talking about um what was it like to actually be in that environment in that time like what what was felt and what was said uh well the whole world cup itself was an amazing experience um we played such good cricket throughout the whole tournament um the group we had, we got along really well. All the wives, girlfriends, kids were joining us there, which um, probably doesn't get talked on enough because I, I remember, I think the Aussie team were only allowed their wives to come for the second half. India may be similar, um, but having the kids, the wives taking us away from cricket during such a busy and hectic tournament, like we would go to breakfast and no one would be talking cricket because Colin Monroe's um, son and daughter would be joining us for breakfast and like talking about, I don't know, Dora the Explorer or whatever. So we were getting away from cricket all the time because, you know, we had our loved ones there with us. And then when we went to training, you know, we, we would focus on training for that period of time and then we would go to the game. So I think um, that was quite a big learning where looking back, I was like, geez, we didn't like, we did scouting and we did, we, you know, we did the correct things, but we weren't like spending hours going over each team and working out plans. We were, I guess, more focused with our cricket training and playing and then also important to get away from it. Mm. Um, but the final, uh, yeah, I thought we won it like three times. Um, so it was pretty bizarre feeling. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it sucked massively, but also, yeah, I think, when you have a captain like Kane leading us like that, we're not going to throw our toys either. Like it's just not in our nature. I think as Kiwis, but even, even as professional athletes, I can't imagine people really throwing their toys about it too much. I mean, it is what it is. Um, just wasn't meant to go our way and obviously pretty bizarre circumstances for many reasons that it went to England, but at the same time, great bunch of fellas, the English team and led by Owen Morgan, who was my captain at IPL. So we had a couple of discussions about the game uh, over there over a few red wines. Um, but, but look, at the end of the day, it's, it's a game. And of course we wanted the world cup and the world championship, but it wasn't to be. Yeah. And um, I remember in the, in the research I did with, um, with former test captains, one of the main themes was the importance of a balance in life and, and more importantly, like a balanced perspective on, on yourself and like what role sport plays in your life. And, I'm hearing that loud and clear in what you're saying about, you know, having family there, having those relationships and the humility around like remembering that, it, you know, it's just a game and, mm. but still being able to go and compete, you know, when, when it's competition time. I think that's such a great lesson for anything in life that like 
we have these roles and things that we do that are like super important to us. You know, it's like the equivalent of the World Cup and whatever endeavor it is, you know, that anything that we're doing in life, but the result's not the only thing that it's all about, right? Like mm. it's it's the process, it's actually how it shapes who we become. Um, that's probably ultimately the greater reward. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. that's right. And kids bring so much perspective to a situation as well. I remember having my little girl on our training camp before the Rio Olympics for a month, and she was the only one. Um, she was the only kid on the training camp. There was ten of us going to the Olympics, and in between training sessions, all the like these 24, 25 year old men yeah. were playing hopscotch with my little girl. Yeah. And it was just like, it was beautiful because she didn't know what we were there for. She didn't care. And it was just bringing, yeah. bringing them back down to earth. And in a lot of ways over my career as well, um, I think when I've had my kids around, it makes me a lot more conscious of how I respond to um, the result of, you know, the competition or, um, the build up or to you know disappointment or whatever I think it's um, it's another reason to kind of um, grow and and because you know that little little people are watching you 100% oh no you're spot on uh, I couldn't agree more but yeah it was it's pretty classic but you're so right that you know if you had a good or bad day the kids they didn't really know or remember or care mm. they just wanted to talk to you about or play play with their toys or whatever it might be so you can get caught up and especially now, I guess the cricket bubble, but even more so now we actually are in literal bubbles, but you can get so caught up focusing on cricket and trying to improve. And I'm sure it's the same with running. You're trying to get obviously a millisecond better each time that you often negate the other stuff going on in your life, which could at the end of the day hinder how you perform. So it's hard to find what exactly the right balance is. I know it's different for different players, um, but I think, yeah, the more you try to think and talk about it and work it out, um, the quicker you'll find that. Yeah. Um, and Lockie, you mentioned being in, in a bubble. Um, yeah, I, I've been talking to a few people in, in cricket lately and um, and some partners of people in cricket, and it's really hard, right? Like you're – I think when we watch you guys on TV, it's easy to just think, you know, oh, they're living the dream and – you know representing the country and it's amazing like it's a it's a great honor but also like you don't know necessarily how long you're going to be away from home and you can't necessarily set up home um and you can't see your your loved ones as much as you'd like or know when you're going to see them like i sort of got two-part question for you about that like what's it been like for you and then also like how do we like what can we learn about how to adapt to the uncertainty of like not knowing what the next few months are going to be like? Um, yeah, great questions. Uh, so uh, I guess personally for me, it's slightly easier in the sense that I don't have wife or kids. So certainly talking to other lads on tour when I'm excited to get on the plane and go to the IPL, for instance, there are, lads who have just left their boys or girls at home and their wife and there's tears and so they come to the airport wrecked already upset emotional that they're having to leave their family and especially with the status of the world much harder for you know families to visit them while on tour which would kind of normally happen um but having said that you do miss a lot um my nan passed away at the ipl so i 
I was meant to see her before I left, but we got put into lockdown and then we had to fly out. So wasn't able to see her um, before. And of course she wouldn't want me to be with her instead of playing cricket, but it's still tough to sort of, I guess I was on WhatsApp call for the funeral um, and you sort of removed. And then of course you don't have that support network yeah. when you are away because you're in, you know, we're in lovely hotels, but they're like, they are quite lonely <laughs> at mm -hmm. times. So um, definitely challenges around that. And it's important to work out, I guess, your support network. And um, the more you kind of are on tour, you do get used to it. But I think I didn't, ha I had no idea. I had no idea when I became an international cricketer, how hard it would be being removed from my normal life here. Um, and that was the biggest challenge. The cricket was fine. I knew that if I kept working hard and practicing and getting better, I would perform better on the park. Um, but the actual stuff all around the cricket and being away from family, being on tour, having to live out a suitcase. Um, and certainly I, I wouldn't change anything, but those challenges I didn't, I wasn't aware of when I first became a black cap and uh, it does take adjustment and it, it's a constant work on too. So um and bubble life, of course, now is even even more challenging. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think even for us, right? Like we we know that we can't get home to into New Zealand without exactly. a quarantine to see family and, and things like that. And it's you know it it is what it is, and it's not going to be like that forever. But um, yeah. are there things that you've sort of found work for you in terms of um, keeping connected with you know the core parts of your life at home? Yeah, I think, um, well, my parents probably say that I'm poor at calling them, but they're very good at calling me. So, <laughs> um, but um, of course, because when I'm playing, they will watch and then, you know, we sort of debrief the games or dad loves his cricket. So he's always super excited to hear um, what it's like being part of a, a team and what it's like having a beer with Owen Morgan and, and those kind of things. So I've always got plenty of stories for them. Um, but I think it's just more or less just important to, keep touching base as much as you can, even if it's tough with time, time difference and things, but it's also a lot easier if you come into a team and with the black caps, it's easier because I've got a lot of close mates in there who I can sort of, I guess, open up to if I'm struggling. Whereas you go to the IPL, you don't necessarily always have a close mate because they're overseas players. So um, yeah, it's, it's a constant, I guess, work on in ways. Um, some tours are easier than others, but um, yeah, you've got to somehow find someone in the team that you can chat to, I guess. Uh, and then of course, just touch base with people at home. It's, there's no sort of secret recipe, but that mm. seems to work right for me. Yeah, cool. Um, and cricket's a pretty unique game um, in terms of your individual, like you're kind of an individual sport within a team sport, right? Like when you're bowling, like it's you, against the batter it's like a one-on-one -on -one contest right and there's very individual stats and selection is very much based on you know performance and statistics like what have you come to learn about how to balance like getting the best out of yourself and doing your um individual things well balancing that with the team success and enjoying team success maybe when you're not performing so well like how do you get that individual and team kind of dynamic right yeah uh, great question um when i started out i guess you're always trying to 
be the big fish in the pond kind of thing. So you are focused more on your individual. So you'd play a game and compare yourself to potentially the other guy on the team who's sort of similar. And I remember there was a season I played for Auckland where I carried the drinks pretty much the whole season and Matt Quinn was the bowler over me. Mm. And then every game that I had an opportunity to play with him, I would go better, but then I would still go back to carrying drinks for whatever reason the coach chose Quinny over me. And like, you know, we're talking millimeters, but it was something that really like rattled me because I was like, well, every time we play, I'm playing better, but he's still getting picked over me more often than not. So um, that was a challenge at when, you know, when I was young and experienced and know what I was doing, focused on myself. But I think as the culture at Auckland grew and became a lot tighter as a group of friends um, and also the, of course, the black caps culture, we focus a lot on, celebrating team success and actually like talking after the game and not only the 50s hundreds um you know that Kane and Ross scored or whatever but um also we have like special moments there might have been a piece of fielding or there might have been some backing up in the field that people wouldn't see necessarily on tv but as a team we know that person switched on every ball and working hard for the team regardless of their own individual and that culture then breeds you wanting to celebrate your mates and certainly when you're injured it's tough to sit and watch um for instance Carl he's doing so well Carl Jamison very good mate of mine but I guess the last few years I've really learned to look forward to celebrating my mate's successes regardless of how that might affect my career and you, you just feel better about it and then when you do get around them I don't know you feel like you're kind of sharing in their success as well rather than it being an individual thing um, and then, of course, when the tables turn and you have a good day, they're the first ones to come and, you know, give you a pat on the butt or whatever. So um, I guess, yeah, in a way, the more you can try to celebrate people in your team doing well, the more you'll find that you'll have success and, and they'll obviously get around you too. And I think that's a great culture to have in a team. Yeah. 100%. Eh? Uh, I think it's just so easy to feel threatened by the people around us. And that, like, it's, mm. I feel like it's the same thing even in, you know, social media how we kind of compare everyone's lives right like mm. it's not actually um a zero-sum game in the sense that like someone else's success or someone else ha having something go well like take something from you i think that uh, sounds like what you're describing is that even when you're competing with people for a position in the team and and all that actually enjoying other people's success and and helping other people get better and comes back around to help you not only to enjoy it more and to have better you know greater well-being from that but also in terms of your own performance right like it's sort of it is this real win-win and i think so easy to miss when we we feel like we're we've almost got to bring other people down to to bring ourselves up mm. that's exactly right yeah that's exactly and you can share in the success too like i think that's the best part that if a guy has a great day and you don't necessarily get the luck that day, you genuinely can like celebrate his success. Uh, and it makes them feel better too about succeeding. You don't want to be the guy on the team doing well. And everyone's kind of like, Oh, you know, like, oh, I wish I would done, had done that well kind of thing. So that then it breathed, you know, it's contagious, that kind of attitude where people support each other. And then at the end of the day, you have a beer and, you know, actually talk about it because you actually are excited about them doing well. Yeah, it allow, it really allows you the freedom and the and the flexibility to to do better yourself as well. Because I think watching other people succeed allows you to dream what could be possible for you as well. Definitely, it's a great um, point. Yeah. 
Lucky, you've talked a lot about, you know, we've heard about the highs and lows of, of your career so far. What what advice would you have to, to young athletes, the young aspiring athletes coming through? Um, it's never as bad as it seems, definitely. Um, but one thing that I didn't realise is that you actually aren't that far away. Um, certainly, I never thought that I would ever be playing international cricket for New Zealand and watched it as a kid and put those players on a pedestal. But um, what I've come to learn, I guess, is that you're never that far away. Um, and I often tell our young bowlers like that as well. They think, oh, I've had you know a couple of bad games. I'm so far away from playing for the, the national team. But uh, if they trust in what they're doing, they trust that they are doing the work, um, particularly doing the work when no one's watching, then, you know, that actually does pay off at the end of the day. And um, it's not always about the end goal, I think. Um, I guess I've started to learn and enjoy more just the journey and the ups and downs and the challenges that come with that rather than thinking there's a World Cup, I want to win it. I want to be the number one bowler for New Zealand. I want to be the fastest bowler. Those are all great, and they hopefully look after themselves at some point. But if you can enjoy the journey a bit more, and then each day becomes ex- just as exciting as winning those big sort of um, feats. It's so true. That's awesome. And like, what with you in particular at the point in your career that you are now, um, you know, you've had a bit of time to reflect on things. I'd imagine um, over the last few weeks with the injury and and almost a bit of a reset, which is kind of rare in international sport, I know. So what what is it all about for you going forward now? You know, what when you think of like the purpose that sits beneath what you do and, and what you're really searching for, how do you think about what's ahead? Uh, certainly made me feel a little bit more mortal probably than I did before. I was always thinking just the next game, the next tournament, and you can get into that cycle of just like, okay, who are we playing next? How's my body? What do I need to do to get fitter, faster, stronger, healthier? Uh, and then you sort of get caught up in that. But having, I guess, a step back, particularly stress fractures, sort of the um, word you cannot speak to fast bowlers. Um, so having that going, oh, God, my back's actually um, broken down here, which is something that's been so good. I haven't had one since I was 18 or 17. So... I guess you take a step back and go, okay, well, actually, I'm, I'm 30 this year. Um, how does that look? What advice do I need to ask other fast bowlers who are 30 and played to their third? They were 35. Um, do I need to adjust things with whatever diet, um, exercise? Do I need to cut back in areas? I guess just being a little bit more, uh, have a bit more of a plan around what the next four years look like rather than just looking to get through to the next game. Um, so certainly... Um, from tomorrow, once I get the scan results back, I'll be able to create a bit more of a plan. But I think looking ahead, I th- it was looking likely I'd have about six months overseas playing. Uh, might be more now. Um, so just, I guess, planning out and going, okay, well, I've only got whatever it might be, three, four, five years of professional cricket left. Do I want to um, keep getting injured? Do I want to work hard? Do I want to become even better? Or am I happy where I am? And I guess you ask a lot of these different questions and it's not always about, you know, of course I want to be as good as I can and and be the best I can. But as we were talking about earlier, there's other things in life that it's not just cricket. I'm not just lucky the cricketer. There's other things in life I want to achieve. So it's a good opportunity. I think is what I'm trying to say to actually go, okay, what's the next year, the next three years looking like for me and, and what goals do I have with cricket, but also outside of cricket. 
that's awesome and i think what you mentioned there is so important in terms of you're not just lucky the cricketer and i think with anyone you know anyone who's um aspiring to achieve um dreams or or goals in life like it's so easy to get our identity wrapped up in and what we do or you know defined by our performances and um, I think realizing that, you know, there's a person and there's, there's actually the things that you do, like you play cricket, you're not just yeah. lucky the black cab or lucky the, yeah. that, right. And um, that's something that I, I was impressed with actually, when um, I first got to know you is that you, you'd already, you were always thinking like that. And I think um, certainly from my perspective, I think that's been part of what's enabled you to really flourish and giving you have with the opportunities that you've, had is that you know you, you've kind of had a balanced view of them like you haven't held it too tightly um and um so i'd love to hear what you think about that whole like identity of you know you're obviously passionate about what you do and care about it but you're not letting your identity be completely engulfed by it how like what does that look like for you and, and how do you do it sometimes i even probably to a fault i like try not to be lucky just the cricketer so i'm so conscious of being in social situations and obviously having a summer at the moment, I'm sort of out of the cricket circle and um, back with friends that I, you know, spend time with and meeting new people. I'm so conscious of trying to not be Lockie the cricketer because they know me as Lockie the cricketer and they're excited to talk cricket. And of course I want to talk it, but um, I guess I don't want them just to assume that's all I want to talk about either. Cause often it's probably not <laughs> get away from talking about cricket. And, you know, I'm obviously I'm more than happy to chat with people about the games and stuff, but um, often people know you as lucky the cricketer. And so they, that's all they think that they can talk to you about. So it, it's an interesting, it's sort of one of those, I had no idea what that might be like until I found myself here. Um, but yeah, certainly I've done a lot of work Um a lot of work on my mental game, but what I've been finding in the last year that my mental game whilst playing the ga- game of cricket is, um, it always needs work, of course, but probably a bit more, um, bit more stable in that area because when I play cricket, no one can contact me. Obviously, I have no phone or whatever, so I'm just switched on and focused to play that game. I know what I need to do, and I know at the time, because I've done it so many times, I, I understand how that day might pl- pan out good or bad. Um, but the other stuff that we were talking about earlier around traveling, being away, relationships, you know, um, trying to date someone when you're away of, out of the country for six months. Um, h- how does that look? Um, and then how also do you handle, you know, um, I guess those challenges? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's certainly more of a work on now is trying to continue to like focus on Lockie as a person rather than just my cricket. And certainly early in my 20s, it was just cricket, cricket, cricket. Yeah, um, but yeah there's obviously so much more to life and things. Um, and yeah, family stuff like that is pretty awesome. So um, that's been a big work on the last year and it will continue to be. Yeah, awesome. It's so encouraging to just almost, I think, just reminds us all that you know like give your best to what you do but like i think ultimately um by trying to get the best out of ourselves in a certain area it's the person that we become as a result that is like the real yeah. <laughs> the real reward yeah. the real outcome or yeah. the real goal of it all i think um and um lucky there's there's one other bit to that that i wanted to touch on and that is that um like you you're also the co-founder of an app 
right? And I kind of know a little bit about how um, much work goes into trying to create, you know, a digital product and app. And I think it's really awesome that you've um, you've been able to do that whilst you've been playing. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing there and um, how we can check it out. Yeah, um, so Machine Road, um, available on both app stores. Really exciting. Um, my brother's, his baby, uh, sort of two and a bit years ago, uh, he, my brother, sorry, just to preface, Mitch, worked in IT for sort of 10 years, um, got talking to a developer from his office who was a very intelligent guy, said, is it possible to measure ball speed off a phone camera? And he said, yeah, I reckon we could do it. Two years later, we've sort of, to a point, replicate, I guess, what you see on TV and what um, kids watch us, you know, with Hawkeye sort of tracking the ball, um, all from your mobile phone. And so, as you can probably understand, that opens up a lot of doors as to how we can help the next generation. And back to that point, Lockie, the cricketer, I've found myself in an awesome position now where I'm actually working with a lot of kids just with our app, trying to get it out there, trying to get kids using it, having fun on it, seeing how quickly they bowl, how accurate they are, competing with each other. Um, it's sort of revitalized my love for the game because you see these kids that they are just playing because they love the game and want to have fun and compete. Um, and you, I forget sometimes when I'm on tour, you know, that that's how it all started for me as well. So that's been a really cool process. Um, of course, um, chucked in the deep end, I have no real idea about IT, um, but certainly how to shape the app and what I think kids would want from it um, has been an awesome process to work through with my brother. Um, but he, he's pretty epic. He's, um, he's very, very hard worker and he's constantly thinking. Um, so certainly now that he's full time on it, it's a really exciting stage for us. And we've got, I think, 13,000 people globally on it. And I think there was like 15 countries or maybe even more now, like Sweden. We've got a couple of users in Sweden and stuff, places where you wouldn't expect there to be cricket, Thailand. Um, obviously, people travel around the world and, and, and live in different areas, so they want to stay connected to cricket. Um, so, yeah, really exciting stage. We're sort of now looking at what the next three months hold for us in terms of really trying to push the reach out and get more users and make it more commonplace and we're developing out sort of the gamification model so we can have like an international leaderboard so you can see where you stack up against the world yeah. or your, your age your sex your nationality whatever um, and then building out sort of a bit more of like levels and um, so you can upskill yourself and do challenges and um, yeah there's a lot of doors we can certainly open um, but um, yeah it's an exciting stage um, we just want everyone to get out and, and use and have fun and of course a big part of it is feedback. So we've been loving people telling us what they like, telling us what they don't like, asking us if they, we can add things. Um, so yeah, working with the kids, um, girls, boys, weekend wounder cricketers, they love it. So it's been fun. <laughs> Sounds fun. All Congratulations. Right. Now that you're playing with so many people from different countries, I know like at the IPL, you may be playing with some of the Australian players, English players, you mentioned Indian players, like it, I feel like growing up playing sport, I always kind of noticed this weird kind of approach where it was like you had to really hate the opposition. <laughs> it was like it was like this old school mindset of like you had to just you can't talk to them, you like can't yeah, be mates yeah. with yeah. them. 
it's like as if nemesis yeah it's like as if your attitude toward them was going to like impact your result and what I want to know from you is having spent time playing with but also playing against so many of the world's best players like what do you what do you say to that like do you have friendships with people from all around the world or how does that work yeah yeah I think you're spot on those sort of those franchise cricket tournaments have changed cricket um I think personally in a positive way that you have mates all around the world, you play alongside them. If I play a game for New Zealand against India, I can't act like a complete pork chop because likelihood I'll be playing with a couple of those players. Um, and also, of course, we are all very familiar with white line fever and what goes on in the park, you know, frustration, aggression, um, passion those things can often lead to the slip of the tongue or whatever it might be. But of course, you know, that's what's happening on the field. And often you'll find guys can play the sport very passionately, aggressively. Um, but then once they leave the park, they're actually, you know, lovely human beings. That's just how they play the game. And I think these sort of tournaments have taught us to understand other people's cultures and where they're coming from. And, um, you know, for different reasons, I think it certainly helped us as, as, as guys growing up and understanding other people and how they roll, but also how to work with people in, in different countries. Like the cultures are so different yeah. going from India, even Aussie, um, the UK, how they approach the game and how they approach life. So uh, plenty to learn, of course, from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. Rory's wrap. Here we go. Rory's wrap. I just want to um, thank you for your wisdom on the show and and taking the time i know it's a um a challenging time for you with you know um the uncertainties around injury and and that but what you've shared with us i think is such a um a great reminder about the importance of pursuing giving everything you've got to what you do without getting swept up and 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 that and allowing that to take over your whole identity and I think you know the way that you go about cricket and you go about life and um it was just such a real honesty about it you know I feel like you show up in everything you do with, with great honesty and, and transparency and even how you've shared today about the highs and lows and and what you've learned along the way you know there's this real humility and this real honesty and everything that you do um and so we want to thank you for sharing that wisdom and for reminding us that you know um other people really matter and the connections that we have along the way are what make so much of what we do um, all the more worthwhile. So thanks for your encouragement. And I think, you know, anyone listening, but especially aspiring athletes will be, um, will, will have a refreshed perspective about how to pursue what matters most to them and what they're interested in and, and multiple interests perhaps in a way that um, leads towards, you know, really interesting interesting outcomes and, and builds great connections and friendships along the way. So thanks for that, mate. And um, I, we're wishing you all the best with the, um, with the rehab, with the injury. I know it's a, it's a challenging time, but you'll, you'll come back better, I know, in, in many ways. So um, all the faith that that's going to happen for you. Yeah. Appreciate it. No, no worries. Much love, guys. All good. Yeah, go well, Lockie. Thanks for coming Cheers, on the show. Guys.